Hey guys, Josh Fomar here, and we are on the Kafaru cast. So Aaron invited me back on. He wanted to talk about my second 200 and then to talk about, you know, the feds and fish and game, all kinds of fun stuff. So uh, it'll be fun to dive into this. This will be a pretty interesting podcast. Yeah, it should be. Um, the, the dynamic between you and I is interesting because um, I am acquaintances or friends with people that don't like you, uh, but I'm also very good friends with you. Uh, and then when, when they ask me about you, I'm like, he's cool as shit. I don't know what the problem is. And, uh, okay. I, <laughs> it's interesting cause I, with, I mean, I guess maybe too knowing the amount of effort, not only that you put into the deer, but in life in general, not to, to leg hump you, but I mean, obviously fitness, your business, and I know what you had to do now for the, this, your second 200 inch deer. Um, it was interesting to me because, um, it's not, I mean, I, I see comments about, you know, great. It's a high fence deer over corn. You know, I, I know where you shot the deer, you know, I know you didn't use corn. Um, I, you know, I know what it took to kill it and let's face it, deer that big, you're probably not going to shoot over corn in States where corn is legal. It just doesn't, it has not been my experience that that works out. So it, it takes a lot more than that. So hell, I wanted to hear it. Yeah, well, first of all, if you are in a bait state, odds are a deer of that caliber isn't just feeding on a corn pile every day anyway. Because if you're in a bait state, everybody else can bait too. And so that deer associates corn piles with danger. And so that was my kind of my experience also in like Ohio and a bunch of other states that are that are legal to feed. You just don't get those big giants camping out on corn piles. So obviously we're in Ohio and there was no, or I mean in Iowa here, and uh, there was obviously no bait with this, and this deer was extremely difficult to figure out. You know, lightning, that deer, if I had to pick a deer that was my all-time favorite hunt, it would definitely be him, but he was also the one that caused me the most stress, like trying to figure out. And lightning and wires, because wires was my other 200, I would say the physical stress of just wondering if he's dead or alive was definitely wires just because there was like 15 guys trying to kill him too. So that one was a different kind of stress where lightning was more like, I just didn't know how to figure him out, you know, because in the summertime, even in the summer, we only got, you know, two pictures of him all summer. You know, he only came into camera twice. And I thought, I was like, oh man, I was like, I, cause I was so excited when we checked cameras for the first time and we got this big giant. I was like, oh yeah, we got a big monster living on the farm. We're going to kill him opening day. And then nothing for like, it was like, I think 25, 30 days. And, uh, and then finally we get another picture of him and I was like, oh, awesome. You know, and it's about, you know, a month before season and I'm like, okay, maybe he's just back then he'd be gone again forever. And I was only getting pictures of him once every 20 to 25 days. And, and I just couldn't figure it out. So I actually started loading that farm up with, with uh, cell cams on all the entry points. Because this farm, the way it laid out, was a big, huge uh, summer grasses. Like, I mean, I'm talking big, massive. I'd say 75% of the farm is just six-foot summer grasses. I mean, as tall as your head, just walking around. And so he could bed really anywhere. And then there's a bunch of little cedar patches that are between 8 to 20 acres each, all spread out throughout the farm. But on the neighbors, the neighbors is where all the corn and food was, you know, big corn fields. 
So I figured he was eating in one of the two cornfields. So then I loaded the neighbor's edges up where there's major trail crossings uh, to the corn, and I never got him on any of those cameras. And let, let so me interrupt just, just real quick. How big yeah, yeah. and how old was Lightning? Because I already seen the deer, so for those who haven't, what it score, age, and just a little bit of the stats, because it looked like it had, you know, pushing 27-inch main beam, but, I, you know, as a guest, it's not like I get to score deer that size. So how big was this deer, and how old was it? Well, he, uh, great question. I'm glad you kind of paused me there because I could get on a rant pretty quick, so I appreciate that. But, no, uh, Lightning, he scored 201 and 7.8, and that's a, that was green score, you know, and once he drives, I'll get him officially scored for Boone and Crockett, but – uh, that deer, he was at least five and a half to six and a half. I mean, he had tons of mass. He had, I think, 42 inches of mass, which is, which is a lot. So for that age caliber of a deer, he would have to be, to get that much mass, he would have to be five and a half to six, just based on what I, what I experienced. You know, he had, you know, 14 inch G2 and uh, 13 inch, you know, on the other side, it, he was, quite impressive deer he had i think 189 inch frame with 17 inches of extras and uh or somewhere or maybe 179 inch frame whatever equals up to be 201 i don't remember the exact breakdown but uh i'm gonna get him i'm gonna take him to fish and game and then have those guys score his jaw and because i want to know the exact age because man i'm telling you hunting these old bucks like they're a total different species than than a normal deer like people go out there and say oh i see deer all the time running around this can't be that hard but when you target one specific deer like lightning or the biggest deer on your farm it doesn't have to be a 200 it could just be the oldest buck on the farm you'll come to realize that that chasing that deer is like a whole other level of difficult and and that's what attracts me to chasing those big bucks, you know, and it's not, it's not the fact that he's a 200 that attracted me the most. It was, I just, I tell everybody if the, if the biggest deer or the oldest deer in the woods and the smartest deer had the smallest track, my trophy room would be full of tiny deer because I, I'm just attracted to the challenge and effort that it takes to get one. And just like with anything, the harder you work for anything, whether that's your job, your business or whatever, a girl, you know, yeah. You appreciate that. <laughs> you appreciate that victory, you know, so much more with more work that goes into it. And so that's what attracts me so much to these old big bucks. And so, and the more challenging they are, you know, the more, the more it's attractive. And so it's, uh, it's pretty, pretty exciting for me at least to, to have the opportunity to find a deer that scores over 200. And if they want to watch the full hunt, it's already on YouTube. Then go check it out. And uh, we tell the story and, and how it all unfolds on there pretty pretty in-depth, too. Now, th- But this isn't, not to interrupt, but again, this is your second deer of that caliber. How big, you, was the other one in Missouri? No, the other one was in my home state uh, on uh, in Ohio. And I killed, I killed wires on five acres, which a lot of people think you need. And it was our own five acres. So it was five acres that we owned where our home was and everything. And he scored 215. And uh, that deer that deer was just a, a, a freak show. I mean, that's really what he should have been called. I mean, he packed on 55 inches in a year. I couldn't believe it. Like, I mean, the year prior to that, he was a mainframe nine pointer with a bunch of little stickers starting. And then the very next year he blew up with three drop times and packed on crazy amounts of, 
and times and became a mainframe 10. And, and, uh, it was just, it was pretty crazy impressive what he, what he turned into. But, uh, yeah, that, uh, Sarah and I have always hunted a lot of small acre pieces. You know, we, we usually don't have these big massive farms that a lot of people do that they think we kill these big giants on, but like Sarah here in Iowa, uh, Sarah killed her big, her biggest buck ever at 159. That deer was on 12 acres and we just put in the food plot, put in the work and we're able to, uh, get that buck killed. And now lightning, I have to be transparent with you. I mean, that was on a 300 acre lease of ours. So, I mean, it, it was a bigger farm, you know, but I, I hunt them all. And I think that's the biggest key to, to killing big deer is having a wide variety of properties spread out across the state. They're or just not even spread out across the state that you hunt. Just, I mean, spread out enough to where you're not getting the same deer. And if you can get enough of those properties, then uh, you'll find a great big giant eventually. You know, I know some of my friends have 50 to 60 properties and people are like, well, I can't afford to lease all that ground. And, and I, I'm here to tell you, I, Sarah and I knocked doors, you know, and got tons and tons of no's. And we only started leasing last year. It was our first year we ever leased. So put that in perspective. I mean, I've been doing this for eight to 10 years now. And the first time I'd ever leased anything was last year. And the only deer we killed on our lease was my dad's buck that my dad killed, you know? And, and so it's one of those things where we just knocked doors and got tons of no's, but eventually you get a yes. And, and my strategy, I'll tell you guys the secret sauce with getting permission to hunt property. And you have to give that farmer or landowner value in exchange for hunting. So a lot of people go out, Hey, I'll lease your ground. And that, that doesn't really work for old ladies and, and that or old people. What I show up and do is say, Hey, you know, I've really studied the area of, uh, and I feel like your property is some of the best property for s- someone like me that that's trying to, to hunt one specific buck. And I think he's in this area and they're like, Oh, we don't allow any hunting. And I'm like, Oh, perfect. This is the exact place I want to be. And, and so please, you know, I, I want to, I want to have the opportunity to, to, to bow hunt your ground. My wife and I only bow hunt. We don't gun hunt and we, we're only going to shoot one deer the whole year. And in exchange, if you let us hunt, I will work for you for free in exchange of whatever value, whatever value you feel is necessary to give us, to give us that, to give us that permission. And I said, if that's working for you all summer long or just mowing your grass a couple times, whatever it takes to have it, to let us hunt, I'd, I'd be unbelievably grateful. And usually they get so thrown off by someone willing to work for free. I'll say, I'll work for free, whatever it takes. And it's really hard to say no to somebody like that, that, that cares so much. And, and so what I always do is, is, is they usually say, well, I don't know. And I say, okay, well, I'll be back next week and I'll let you guys think about it. But think about all the tasks that you'd want done around the house or on the farm that you just don't have time to do that I'd be willing to do for you if you let me hunt. Yeah, and no, that makes I'll be sense. Back next, <laughs> yeah, and I'll be back next week. So then, so then they're like, oh, okay, then just get rid of this guy. But then that whole week they're thinking like, man, what could I – well, oh, wow, I really need the gutters cleaned. Or, and what I found is no one ever took advantage of that, ever. 
I would, one farmer made me bale hay for him all summer. That sucked. I'll be honest, because his property stank. They didn't have any deer on it. But, <laughs> but most, most of the time you clean out the gutters and then they, they're, they're happy and then you, you're, you're good to go, you know. And, and, and it doesn't work for everybody. But I'm telling you, if you went and did that to 25 farms, you're going to get at least four to five of those farms. And, and then you've got four to five different farms that maybe range from 80 acres to 200 acres. You're going to find a big giant deer on one of those farms if they're in good good areas that have good genetics and it's just work. I mean, it boils back down to work and you got to be willing to put in the work and not complain that you don't have deer. If you don't got the deer, you got to go put in the work and find them. Yeah. It's, um, you know, not, I really like whitetail hunting, but I am a Western, you know, I'm a mountain hunter, but by the time, you know, November rolls around, I'm ready to sit in a tree stand and eat a ho-ho and take a break. Right. I mean, I, I, I like, I mean, I didn't, I'm not the caliber that the buck you just shot, but in the recent hunt I was on in Texas, we, we, you know, mid 160s type buck can be a good, I mean, for me, a 160s buck is like ridiculously huge and, uh, had come in with, that I was, that I was trying to kill. I mean, I spent not like, again, it wasn't like I had the escapade you did, but four days on it before I'm like, all right, I just got to shoot something I need to, you know, and moved. But <laughs> I, when it came in the first time, from a Western hunter, you become desensitized to cliffs or lightning or the pack in, but then you put a Western hunter, me specifically, in a tree stand, and the doe's acting flirty, she's running at you, he's lip-balling and puts his head down, charges in, you know, and then I shit my pants, right? Like, I, I'm not used to that, and so my adrenaline level is through the roof, unlike what I do in the mountains, it's a different feeling. Plus I'm in, in, in this case, I'm in a tree stand. So I'm watching it all happen. And, uh, and, and as you're talking about this, I may lease or at least go in with a few buddies and lease the property I had or sublease it. Um, you know, just, it is hard to find good whitetail property at times when you're from out West, just because of the traveling. So yeah, I can imagine, you know, I haven't spent any time in Iowa to speak of or, or Missouri or any of that, you know, Mississippi, whatever. Um, so I, I would, I would think, you know, if you had 400 good acres, it'd be equivalent to, you know, having 4,000 out West or something. I mean, a 400 acre section can hold some big ass deer. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, like you said, it, it is a lot different, but I mean, what you do airing out in the mountains, I mean, that is just a whole other level of difficulty too, you know? And you may, you probably do as you're hunting, you'll build relationships with the animals that you're trying to kill, but it's probably not as often as, as it is out, out here, you know, in the Midwest, you know, if you go out there and you see a big giant mule deer and you go and he's, you know, a typical 180 and you go and you blow the stock and the next day you see a, a 185 somewhere else, you'll just go and most, at least this what I did. Oh, you just go and chase that one. And if that one doesn't work, you go find a different one and, and so the, the major difference is like we find in like you, you did this too in Texas, you know, you find these one specific deer and then it's, it's all in for that one deer. And I know you've done this with mule deer and back home and different animals because you've killed some, I mean, magnificent deer with your stick bow. It's just unbelievably impressive. And what, and, and I, so I know you've done this, but man, a lot of people don't realize it, but you get one chance at those deer that you target typically. Yeah, you had if to bring that up, up and I fucked it up this year. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'd love to hear about that. But yeah, you get one chance, and people are like, why do you name deer? That's so stupid. 
I'm like, well, I named deer because whenever I'm talking to my wife about a deer, I'm like, oh, you know that big giant that I that I've been getting on camera over in 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 Iowa, down in southern Iowa, blah blah blah. It's just easier to say, hey, a lightning showed up on camera, and you you talk about a deer all year long. You put a name to it, so it's easy for everyone that you're talking to about this deer. They understand who you're talking about. It'd be like trying to describe a person. Oh, you know that guy with the fat belly and the 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 balding head and the glasses. That that's my buddy. Oh yeah, I remember him. And you have to describe him every time you talk about him. <laughs> It'd be annoying. Oh, uh, so, wait! I can tell you, always, my buddy Lander makes it very clear. Like when we're in Alberta, there will be no using of the name target buck or naming animals they make you know they make jokes about it or whatever because it's western hunting although it, it, i wounded dagger well he named that deer dagger so he broke his own rule but that <laughs> identifies that deer immediately dagger it's got a 16 inch um kind of inline kicker coming off of it so yeah it was rather than saying you know that one deer that's like a 170 frame with that big dagger coming off the buck they back they just call it dagger and it simplifies things but yeah there's always the western eastern midwest kind of shit talking back and forth oh yeah well i mean again it's we're we we again we're trying to hunt a lot of different properties with a lot of different deer and and we don't name deer that we're that are just babies you know it's like it's just it helps whenever I organize cameras too. Like, so another part of the homework that I do is I organize and, and break down all the camera or trail camera data. So I'll organize it with each individual deer trying to figure out like it's CSI agent, you know? And so I'll take all the pictures of lightning and break them all down and go through every trail cam photo I ever got of them or any other deer we're trying to target and figure out exact wind directions, barometric pressure, timing, moon phases, and time of the year, everything. Break down and reverse engineer every suitable trail camera photo, trying to find the smallest pattern that I can use to my advantage. And so if I don't have a deer name, how, what the he- how do I title each one of those, those sections and keep it separate from deer to deer? You know, so it's, it's so much easier to have deer names whenever you go to the level of research that we do and what I do to try to kill one of these suckers. So it's just, again, I, I thought we, I had to bring that up cause it's pretty funny. I get, I get lit up online. Why do you name deer? And it's just kind of funny to me because I, I have to name them because of the, the organization that I go through to, to get one killed. I mean, it's, it's, it's all part of it for me. Yeah, oh, yeah. And I, again, man, I, I just have not, I've, I've killed a bunch of whitetail, but it's because I was smart enough to listen to a guy that said, hey, go sit here and shut up and something will walk by. It's not like I have the, the capacity or brain power that, that others have that have hunted them for years to know exactly what a whitetail will do in comparison to a mule deer if it's pressured or, or, or what, or the change of the, the time of the seasons, you know, when they go in from summer feeding patterns to, uh, you know, pre-rut and, you know, all when all those things change, you know, I'm just like, okay, I guess I'll sit here and hope for the best where you, you, people that hunt them all the time, it's totally different. And, and you're also f- out West, I'm using physical fitness to a very, very big advantage. Fitness does not really come into play um, as much whitetail hunting, not, not taking away the, the whitetail fit portion of it, but I mean, I'm not going to out hike you, right? I'm going to have to out think you. So that big, big difference you know 
Right. Well, I mean, again, we, if you take me and plug me into your environment, you know, that, that you've been doing for decades, well, I would be the exact same boat, you know, like understanding all the different aspects that go into stalking in a mule deer. I'm still relatively new because I didn't start mule deer hunting until 2014 or 15, you know, so. It, it's interesting because the amount of adrenaline I had shooting uh, my goat this year, it was high. It was cool. A fraction. I almost fell out of the freaking tree stand when that buck came in. Of course, I didn't kill it, but <laughs> I, I mean, I was. La- they were laughing because my typewriter leg was going so bad. I was in a um um a ladder stand, and it, it had that big yeah. foldy thing that goes up and over you. And I had it right rubber. I bungeed it back to the tree. Well, my leg was shaking so bad the side wobble was making it go. Which, thank God, before they got there. You would have laughed, dude. I, I had to repivot my feet to get the shaking a different angle and put my elbow against it to get it to stop because I'm like, Snyder, get a hold of yourself for Christ's sake. What is wrong with you? So I, I bent my knee a little and rolled my foot to the outside to try and get it to calm down. I don't get that as much because I'm not as desensitized to it as I am with Western hunting. I still get adrenaline. I still get excited. The stick bow helps. But I can't imagine. I probably would have. I mean, you wouldn't have been able to put a greased flaxseed through my ass with a hammer when that thing came in. So I can only imagine <laughs> with what the one lightning, the big buck you just killed. I mean, it's a lot of work all coming in at one time. How, how not to skip forward, how jacked up were you when you finally had it in front of you? Oh, well, I mean, it's so funny you say that because uh, talk about getting the adrenaline going and all that. And and, it, and I get that way about everything that I decide I'm going to kill. So and I'm, I'm not I don't want to be known as like, oh, the big 200 killer, because I just like to chase old deer and I'm going to chase the oldest, biggest buck that I have access to and, and I can that I find in, in throughout that year. So some years that may only be a hundred and thirty inch five year old buck, you know, or. And I'll get just as excited, just like you. And it's not about the score of the deer. It's just about, about, it's about all the work that went in, like you said, and then finally coming together. I mean, that's just, that's such an intense moment because it's like, you know, I'm going to get one chance and I can't screw this up. And it's just, that's a weird feeling, you know, that you just can't really experience elsewhere. But, but no, I mean, when you ask about how jacked up I was, I, I mean, it was, so intense because that tree stand set up, you know, whenever we, we got lightning finally figured out and that tree stand and I figured out where we were going to go that we put this tree there, this stand into the cedar and, and I, we couldn't see for shit. I mean, I mean, absolutely nothing. I mean, I cut the shooting lanes the day before, but we couldn't see the deer because we were in the cedars. So then they'd sneak right up on us. So we couldn't see them until they're at 12 yards. But I wanted it that way because I've been, picked off in tree stands so many times so we went extra high and we left tons of cover left the branch above my head left all this stuff and no deer saw us ever which is great but they also didn't see us till 12 until they were within 20 yards we didn't see them i mean so when we saw lightning for the first time he was within 12 yards of us and he's like right under the tree coming onto a trail and i was just like Oh my gosh. At first I didn't think it was him. Cause we're so high looking down on a deer, you, you know, it's like, it, it, they look a lot smaller. So when I saw the deer, I'm looking through like six layers of cedar limbs, you know? So I see him and I was like, and it's lightning or nothing. I'm not shooting any other deer other than lightning. That's all I'm going after. 
and I see him. I'm like, oh man, that's a big buck. I'm like, shoot, he's like 180 inch deer. How am I going to pass this deer up? I'm like, nope, it's lightning or nothing. I'm like, you can't kill him. And I was like, oh, because I, all I could see was his frame, but I, he, I'm looking down on him, you know? So all I see is the mass and the time through a bunch of layers. And, and then he turns his head and I saw that giant inline that he has like on his, on his main beam, on his right beam. And I'm like, Oh my God, it's lightning. In that moment, my body just started freaking out. And I'm just like, how am I going to kill this deer? Because he turns and goes to 12 yards and is making a scrape at 12 yards. And I can't shoot because there's just literally layers. And you see it on the video. There's just a spider web of cedar limbs. And if you watch the whole video, you'll see the tree we get in. I break it down after I kill him. I mean, there's just spider webs, and I can't shoot. And he's 12 yards making a straight quarter and away. I'm just freaking out, like, oh, my God, is it possible? I'm trying to thread a needle through all this. I'm like, no, it won't work. And he goes down this trail, and I think a doe had, had went off um, to the left. And because earlier that hunt, I had a small buck go down that same trail, jump the river, go up this embankment, and go on. So I don't know if a doe did that or what happened, but – that buck went and he had a Y. If he went to the right on the trail, I would have never got a shot. And if he would have went left, I would, he would have jumped the bank where that other buck did. And I had a 26 yard shot. Now this was the only spot that I really couldn't shoot. It was right there on that embankment. But I was like, ah, there was a huge limb in the way. And I said, well, I better just cut this limb because you never know. There's no reason for him to go across that embankment. It's like on its own little Island. And they have to literally jump like a four foot deep uh, creek to get onto it. But it's just open and something felt weird about this spot. Like it, it was just amazing for a deer to stand there. And I was like, I'm going to cut this limb just to make sure. So I cut that limb that gave me a clear shot to that. And, uh, and sure enough, man, in that why he turned left and went and jumped across that creek onto that embankment. And I was all twisted up in the tree stand, but I was able to pull it off and make it work. And sure enough, man, he, I stopped him at 26 yards and, and just crushed him. It was the best shot I've ever made on a deer ever. It went through both lungs, top of the heart. And I mean, blood sprayed out of him right away. I mean, that moment of excitement and that, I mean, it was just so surreal, you know, because you, you I put in so much work and so much time and so many stands and so many different sets and so much sitting around a computer staring at the weather and mapping and doing all of this, trying to figure out just one little pattern to this buck to see if I could get him and to finally have my chance. And I actually pulled the shot off. Like that moment coming together was so exciting for me. And a lot of times when that moment comes together and the shot happens, a lot of people screw up the shot because it's so exciting. And I'm guilty of that too. I've done it. And you pull the shot, you shoot him in the guts or you shoulder punch him or something. And you're just like, ah, and then the, the story's not over, you know, and you're like, okay, how do I find this buck? That one wasn't this story. I knew the moment that arrow hit him that it was, he was a dead deer. So the emotions just come out and I call my buddies and it was just, it was cool. The people that I had, you know, that were helping me with the buck and, and cause I, I you know, I was called like Lee and, and Mark Jury and all these guys and they're helping give advice. My buddy, Steven, all these people and, and I just, man, I'm having troubles figuring this deer out. And of course they give me their two cents on it. And so it was a lot of fun to have that deer 
like shared with a lot of my buddies. So that's why I included that part in the video too, of me calling all my friends and people that, you know, helped with the deer. And so it was just a big victory for everybody. Yeah, that's, that's cool. And you know, it's, it's funny how, not to bring up whatever bad stuff, but it's funny how, um, your views change when I say bad stuff, meaning, you know, I've had guys bring up corn, for example, and I only bring that up because I was just in Texas and you're probably not going to kill anything unless there's corn involved. Same with, um, pick a state, Oklahoma, wherever it's legal. I've had guys bring up trail cameras, you know, they're the devil, right? You can't use trail cameras. And then, you know, but what I found and not for everybody, but what I found is I have started to dive into that world later on in, in the year, you know, you know, so I'm, I'm going from the Western mindset to what the more tree stand hunting, you know, the one thing you first find as you're looking at all these game cameras is there's not a lot out at night or at day, right? There's a lot out at night and then you're, you're starting to dissect and you're like, you know, this is just false hope. Yeah, that's great. I know what deer on my, you know, property, but little bastards aren't coming out in the daytime. You know, this is a layman's view of this, right? And I'm like, Game, game cameras are, are helpful, um, but if you don't use one, you're sitting to kind of sit, and there's nothing wrong with not using them. I just, you know, d- at, at the level how smart these deer are and everyone's using them, I used to um, not like trail cameras as much, and then I, but as that was an ignorant opinion, not hunting in the Midwest or, or wherever south, now I'm like... Jesus, how would you kill a giant deer without a trail camera? Which is horrible to say probably to some people, but I, <laughs> right. I don't know that you could. I mean, it'd be blind shithouse luck. Um, you know, when well, that's the thing. It's like it's, <laughs> it's not nearly as fun. I mean, I, running cell cams is so exciting for me because every single morning it's like Christmas. I get up, I check my app, and I'm like, oh, that's cool. There's a deer there. And it just makes hunting so much more fun. Because you get you get that kind of like day to day excitement of of what's hitting the cameras and all that. But what a lot of people do is they'll screw up and only hunt when deer are breaking daylight on cameras. And if you ever hunt where you're you can see a trail camera, you'll see like three times as many deer that actually go in front of that camera. Yeah, so my, that might be an be understatement. Careful. It's depressing. Right. <laughs> Yeah, you're like, wow, I can't believe I don't hunt until he shows up. You know, it's like the odds are he could walk by that spot 800 times and never walk by your camera, especially if you're not baiting. You know, like in Iowa, like obviously we can't bait or use any feed out here. So I was putting it on trails and scrapes, and I'd made a ton of scrapes to try to figure him out. So he could have been walking around and by by my cameras constantly, but – I just, that's what I, I, I loaded up the, the farm with, with different cameras on different trails and, and then just mapped them all back to where I thought he was coming into the cedar thicket. And when I infiltrated that cedar thicket, I couldn't put a normal camera into this bedding area because I would have to walk in and check it. If I had to walk in and check the camera, then I would likely put sit in there, potentially blow him out. So I, with this buck, I knew with north winds, he bedded somewhere different than the south winds. And my prediction was he bedded in the cedar thicket with south winds. So when there was a north wind, I knew he wasn't in there in theory. And so I snuck in, found where three trails came together and scrape, and and I put a camera there. Now, I'm obviously not going to get a picture of him unless he's walking down one of those trails. So he could have been in there every day. I don't know. But five days later, I finally got him on camera in there in daylight, late morning, meaning I was like, okay, he's bedding in this area sometime. 
And I didn't know when or how often, but I assumed with Southwind. So that's why I went in there and kind of said with, with uh, strong winds when it was blown out of the north and set it up in the northeast corner. So with the southwest wind, which was which what I figured out with the cameras, you know, that, that cameras told me. And south winds, he liked to stay on this side of the farm. That's whenever I, I snuck in and got on the northeast corner. So a southwest wind, I could hunt that cedar and I killed him the very next morning. And so cameras play a huge role with this. And I can tell that story about a ton of different bucks. And, and cell cams specifically to help, help big time. Now, some states are not legal to use and you got to be careful, you know, but it's it just there's a ton of gray area and black and white and all that crap with the feds and stuff so you got to be careful with what you're doing no oh, yeah for sure and uh man not to segue into the other conversation um that we were going to have but i'm going to do it when you talked about uh what you just brought up um this is kind of an interesting um subject that i've had with multiple people and when you told me what I'm about to say, I was extremely surprised what was going on because, for one, I knew the respect and I guess you could say admiration that you had for game wardens and the uh, Department of Wildlife. You've always spoke highly of them to me um, and, and told stories of how they get a bad rap. And then, lo and behold, you basically for getting harassed for quite some time and and you are now in a lawsuit with the federal game department or whatever like what the hell is going on with that and and uh hopefully you're comfortable enough to speak about a lot of this um yeah fire yeah. away <laughs> no i i would i would love to i mean it is sad i've always spoken highly of the game wars because their job is to protect our valuable resource of hunting rights and and make sure people aren't breaking the law and doing all this stuff. So I've always liked the game wardens. I've always called them and asked questions. And I always thought I had a great relationship with them. But I, Sarah and I, ever since I speared that bear, Sarah and I have had nothing but issues with, with game and fish, the U.S. game and fish. And it was just, and I, I don't know why they made us a target. I mean, they've literally hunted us down like we're some sort of trophy to them to try to take us down. And it's been going on since I speared the bear. And I don't know if it's because I brought hunting in such a negative light and I didn't do anything illegal with the bear and it just pissed them off. I, I don't know. But it is so frustrating to me because they have literally ruined so many of our hunts, so many terrible situations that they've treated us and illegally took stuff from us, hacked into our cameras, I mean, it got so bad that I, Sarah and I were forced to file a lawsuit against the U.S. fishing game because of this crazy harassment in hopes that, that it would bring light, obviously, to the rest of the community. Like, this is how they're treating us, and they're using taxpayer dollars, all of your dollars out there, all of your taxpaying dollars, and exhausting hundreds of thousands of dollars in resources to follow us around, chase us, and try to figure out some sort of way to pin some sort of game violation on us, which obviously Sarah and I have never done anything illegal, and otherwise they would have charged us. But to think about all of that that they're using, like, of your guys' money to go and try to get people like us, these quote-unquote celebrity hunters, the Ted Nugents, the 
I mean, you name it. I'm sure you you've had issues with them too, with this how popular you are. I've definitely and been they looked just into. Target these people. <laughs> well, and yeah, and they tar- target us. I, I I've got to say before we get cranking on this, the the local game warden. Um, he I don't think he listens to the podcast. I have a huge amount of respect for that guy. Can't say good enough stuff about him. And in uh, a recent conversation we had, I said, "Look, dude, I." I, I feel secure enough. If you end up on my front door, you're probably not going to get much of a fight out of me because I deserve you being there. I've done something to where you're there because I, I fucked up. And another guy who give 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 shit about back and forth out east. Um, I, I probably shouldn't mention his name either, but uh, super cool dude. I got you know got nothing. I mean, he's a little bit. Um, he's definitely by the book, but a great guy. But I don't know. You know, those guys, and including everybody, Leo, compared to, I think they look at it the way I do, is how much how much was lost, meaning how much of your, the renewable resource, the animal that we, we are, are hunting, is being lost from a specific infraction, specific perp- person. Meaning, if you got a guy that, you know, doesn't tag an animal in 15 minutes and he does it in 20 or 30 Nothing was lost. He didn't. Maybe the fifteen-minute rule wasn't exactly followed, but it was. You know, really, you're picking fly shit out of chili. Not that big of a deal. Well, if you shot it in the headlights, all right, that's a big deal. And it sounds like everything right. they're fucking around with you guys is pretty stupid to begin with. Well, that's what's so ridiculous. You know, I mean, some of these laws they they really set it up for the hunter to be screwed if they want to screw that hunter. I know Ted Nugent went through serious issues. And, and got the Lacey Act. It was a federal offense, all because he shot a bear and, a, and, and it, the arrow bounced off the rib of the bear. And it didn't bleed. It didn't do anything. They reviewed the footage. It clearly bounced off the rib. And then he went and killed another bear. And they now filed a Lacey Act against him, which is like the most bogus law in the world. It's so outdated. And I'm pretty, I'm Trump's in the process of hopefully getting that fixed. So, I know Ted Nugent's actively, actively trying to uh, talk to Junior about that. But the point is, is like they, and then they literally prosecuted him to the fullest. He's the only person ever to be to be charged with that law ever in the history of Game and Fish in with Alaska. It was the most ridiculous thing ever, and it just goes to show you the targeting of celebrities. And it's I'm like, like you said, the resource. It's not like. Ted Nugent or the Bomards are out there, you know, eradicating all these animals and taking out entire herds where there are people literally out there with spotlights every single night going and gut shooting deer, running around because they're, they're crazy, whatever they're doing, whatever reason. And people call in about it. They show up a week later, but, and they're like, Oh, investigate. Oh, we'll look into it. And they just don't care. And this isn't for everybody because I got to be honest, I, I know this is going to come across like all of Game and Fish is bad, and I, I don't want that to be this message because there's some bad apples that are really, really ruining it for a lot of people. Well, no, I think the question to be posed is, is and again, uh, for those of my Game Warden friends listening in, by all means, at the end of this podcast, if you listen to it, fire up me an email and give me your two cents, but are they targeting... Uh, celebrities more than others that's the first question why would be the next one how much uh wasted energy and taxpayers money if they are 
are they putting into specific, I don't want to say witch hunt, but okay, I, I'm going to make some shit up here with you, right? This is not what happened to you. This is not what you did. I'm pulling this out of my ass totally, hypothetically. Okay. Um, you know, and make sure everybody understands. This is, I have no idea. Josh and I have not gotten into a deep enough conversation of everything there that's going on with him. But are they going after you for jumping a fence, let's say, to, to retrieve a deer? So you went on someone else's property. Again, people, this is hypothetical. I'm making this shit up. You jumped a fence and went and retrieved a deer. You shot it on your property. It went to someone's else, uh, some el- someone else's property. How much of the taxpayer's dollars is it worth to pursue that? You shot the deer on your property. It, you know, is there a civil suit there? You trespassed. You didn't get permission. At what level or what line is there drawn to where it turns into a witch hunt? Are they just targeting you? Or is it actually they're looking for the greater good of the specific animal and the laws. And I don't know if I explain that worth a shit, but I always want, I wonder, you know, I, I do. I'm like, huh, that right. seems like a lot of effort for pretty small infraction, you know, like <laughs> you seem to be kind of going after these guys. Yeah. Using that as like an example, you know, it's just, it's, that's, what's insane. You look at the resource. It's like, okay, say it could be anybody shoots that deer they have a tag for it. Like we'll use the, the um, timing of the tag. That's a pretty funny one. And I mean, like in the state of Iowa, which I had to exhaust exhaustively read all the laws for game and fish here, because it's just, there's so many of them. And one of the rules is you have to tag it within 15 minutes of finding the deer. So say somebody shoots a buck, they see it go down they climb, they're, they're talking, they're having fun, whatever, with their buddies, calling friends. They climb down, and they go over to that deer and tag it at minute 16, okay? Because they, they've seen it go down, so technically they found it, right? So this is technically the way the law, law's written. They tag it at minute 16. Now they've poached that deer, that deer, and let's say they take that deer across state lines. Now it's a federal offense that is insane like a federal fence so now it's hundreds of thousands of dollars of fines all because a person waited an extra minute and that is the most ridiculous thing ever because or baiting let's say somebody baits and shoots a buck right and a baiting violation in in a state is a class three misdemeanor okay or this other one that i just talked about the timing of a tag is a class three misdemeanor that is the same caliber of misdemeanor as a speeding ticket. So if any of you guys have ever had a speeding ticket out there, it is the same exact level of law breaking as a baiting violation, for example, or a tagging mishap. But let's just say for hypothetical situations that you get a speeding ticket across state lines. So you are, let's say you're in Ohio and you drive to Indiana and the speed limit changes and you get a speeding ticket in uh, in Indiana. Now uh, that normal class three misdemeanor, which is a speeding ticket because you're across state lines. Now it's a federal offense and you get jail time and a $250,000 fine. Like think about how insane that is. And that's literally how the Lacey act works here in, in the United States currently. I mean, that is just the level of ridiculousness that this could be 
and it and it's set up. And so what these guys do in these the U.S. fishing game is they bully these people, and and with threatening them with all of these accusations, and it's just unbelievably depressing to me because they just bully these people into pleading guilty for things that they didn't do and doing everything that you can imagine just to lie and, and do, I mean, it's just, it's just terrible what, how they treat a lot of these people. And instead of actually like us, I could tell you stories specifically of how they treated us. And I would love to, because it's just, it's just so unbelievably uncalled for and a waste of resources that drives me insane with what these guys are doing and how they're treating these, I don't celebrities. Spook Span's another great example of a person that gets targeted all the time. And I mean, it's just, and it's, and it, and it, it happens a lot to the big buck shooters, you know, the people that are, are going out there. Cause they just say, there's no way these guys could kill the, this many giants over and over again. And so that's usually where it, it starts. And, and it's just so silly and so stupid how they do this. Instead of actually going after, you know, these crazy poachers that are spotlighting all the time or you call in a doe and it got poached and they show up a week later. But if it's got a, a big rack, they'll show up five minutes later. You know, it's just the priorities are, are all messed up. And I will say, like, um, I don't know how much trouble I'm going to get in here. Chris Brackett shoots two deer in one night, whatever. Yep, I fire away, put some resources into that shit. Totally deserving, right? Guy was yeah. a dickhead anyway. I never 100%. liked the fuck. Um, I don't know if your buddies with him. I was just thought he was a fucking asshole. So, and then what's no? In the, I mean, that's what I've heard too. Is he didn't treat people well. But that's the point. Is is I don't have anything against Chris, but he deliberately knew he only had one tag and he shot two deer, and that's that's not okay. That is a hundred percent poaching. And he eradicated a resource that deer would not have died otherwise because he had already filled his tag. So that, that is, that's not okay. You can't just go and shoot multiple bucks with, without having tags. Obviously so, again, that's, that deserves some resources, right? That deserves some money, some taxpayer dollars. What, and I'm, I'm only bringing this up to, to clarify, for example, um, Allegedly, um, I shoot a deer um, in Texas. I'm jacked up through the roof, and you brought this up a minute ago. Um, I drag the deer back to you know the 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 little four wheeler track. We pick it up, we take it to the truck, and an hour later, I fill out my tag. Now, if they if if a game warden watched all of this and they come down and ask me. Oh, you know, let's say they're watching through a spotter. Well, immediately I'm going to want to lie if I know I'm about to get raked over the coals. Like, oh, no, I was writing a love note to my wife. That wasn't my tag. I, <laughs> I filled that out a long time right. ago. You didn't see me. But the thing is, it's like, right, that doesn't, that's, a, that's a slap on the hand. That's a, hey, hey, dummy, don't, don't do that shit. Like, they, I didn't do it in the right time. Um, but, but I, my, my, I had good intentions. I did fill it out. Now, I don't fill out the tag at all. Um, I drive across the state line. I come back and hunt again. I think that deserves a lot of money. Same infraction, sort of, but totally. That's like drive three miles over and twenty miles over the speed limit. One right. guy There's intentionally. Levels. Hell One, yeah. An honest mistake, a little tiny mistake. They're like, "Oh crap, sorry, I didn't realize it." Or like some states, 
if you pick the deer up and move its head, you just poach that buck. So because like you have to tag it before you move it. So if you pick the deer up and twist its head and say, wow, I got him. And in some states, the law shows that you have to tag it before you move it. So it's moving it, like dragging it a foot, moving its head. And that's kind of where this, this, this stuff goes into. And, I, and I, we say all this because there's some serious issues where these people and fish and game, whenever they target people like us, these are all the details that they're looking at and trying to find. Because when we film everything, obviously we have to do everything down to the exact books because and we film it all. We put our life out there and say, okay, guys, just, and we don't do this for fame or anything like that. I mean, my God, I mean, we put everything on YouTube for free. You know, we, Sarah and I don't make hardly any money in the hunting industry and it's, we just do it. I can speak a hundred percent. You lose money in the hunting industry because you lose so much business from, from the supplement right. side. Uh, I get a kick out of that. Guys are like, I do get, I mean, in my own fault, a bit defensive when people say something like, uh, when it refers to you of you're out there for just the money. And I'm thinking if you know how fucking stupid you sounded right now, cause you probably lose two to 3 million a year by people that don't buy your shit because you are a hunter. Which far outweighs oh, 100%. the hunting community. Not to overly defend you, but that is a ridiculous statement. Oh, 100%. No, Sarah and I probably lose 40% of our income just because we say we're hunters on our, our major fitness platforms. We're open about hunting. And that alienates most of the world. And our business being, you know, international, you know, people find out we hunt. They don't just not want to buy from us. They want to tear our entire company down, do whatever it takes to ruin our brand because they think we're killing their pet. Like they look at their, their pet dog that's 15 years old and they say, the Bulmars would kill you. Oh my God, I've got to do whatever it takes to ruin these people's lives. So most of our customers aren't okay with, with us hunting. So if we would literally just not post about hunting and post us in camo and openly talk about it on podcast, we would make 40% more money, which would be substantial. But because hunting is so important to us and so, and we have so much passion for it and it's a huge part of our life because we enjoy it. We enjoy the camaraderie, our friendships and me growing up, you know, when Sarah and I have kids like me growing up is a huge part of my youth. And, and I want that to be a part of my kids. We sacrifice a lot to be able to sit here and stand up for our hunting rights. And, and that's important to me as well as, as Sarah. And we definitely don't do this hunting thing for money. If we did, we would have a TV show because sponsors pay TV shows way more money. We would be aggressively getting more sponsors, but we've actually got rid of most of our sponsors except for Hoyt, Easton, and Sever. You know, I mean, that's, and those are all pretty much the same brand. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, so exactly. for us, it's, we used to have a lot more sponsors and we just kind of weaned them all out because it, the money side of it's not important to us. It's just our stuff. If you watch our videos, we don't throw products down people's throat or do anything like that. We just do it for, for the hunt and about the animal. I'm pretty so sure you put heroin think, in your peanut butter though. Uh, just a side note. <laughs> well, I'm glad you liked it. 
But uh, yeah, to know, I mean, again, we don't do this for the money and do this for anything. So people, people, I don't know where we were going with this, but the, the point is, is, is it's, it's not one of those things where Sarah and I are out there trying to, to take away from the hunting resource to uh, further our agenda, you know, to make more money. Cause I think we were just talking about more just like the game and fish laws and, and how they're. You know, they're, they're designed to be able to, to really get anybody that they want if they really wanted to take them down. Well, I mean, didn't they seize all of your shit and basically leave you stranded somewhere for like yeah. 24, 48 hours? Can you talk about that? I would love to. This is a, a specific example that happened back in 2016. And I mean, again, this was quite a few years ago and it might have been 2015, but they, you want to talk about exhausting resources? They had tracked our phones and had maps of all of our phones and of everywhere we've been, every stand we hunted. They hacked into our trail cameras, uh, into our, our trail camera um, apps, and we're going through all of our pictures, everything. And then, because we were hunting at an outfitter that, that was being investigated, they they literally when we were leaving that outfitter heading to a a our next place that we were planning on hunting in Kansas they pulled us over with six vehicles full of feds they had us at gunpoint screaming and yelling at us putting our hands out the window right now put your hands out the window at gunpoint we know you have weapons in the vehicle and I mean, it was insane. They, they literally pulled us over with five vehicles, surrounded the vehicle with our hands out the window. They said, give us your phones right now. And they, they, we, and we, so we give them our phones. We're at gunpoint, obviously. We're freaking out. We have no idea what's going on. And they take all of our stuff, and, they, we, they, and then they take us back. They said, well, we need to talk to you. And I said, okay. And we get there, and they're like, oh, we just had a few questions about an outfitter that, that you were hunting at. I'm like, What? So you did all of this for an, a questions about an outfitter. And I'm like, are you serious? And then, so then they're just trying to make all kinds of accusations and accusing of us doing wrongdoing. I'm like, listen, dude, we hunted at this outfitter for 90 consecutive days, like over the past three years. And we've killed 120 inch deer. And then I killed a wounded, like 10 pointer that had a broken leg. I'm like, do you really think if we were doing things illegal, we'd have a little bit more success with and yeah. <laughs> at a place that obviously has giants? I'm like, come on, guys. I was like, and we film everything. We film, like, everything. If they were eating out of a corn pile or, you know, on the neighbor's property or whatever, it would be pretty obvious in a video. And so, obviously, you know, they, they were like, oh, we're still, and they confiscated all of our stuff. And so they took our phones, our laptops, everything. And they took all of our, our camera gear, everything, our bows, you name it. They took it all and get this. So they take it all and they say, okay, we're, we're going to go through all of this right now. And we have no forms of communication at all. So my family, we always check in where we're going because we're traveling. And my mom is like insane about knowing where I am at all times, even in my late 20s now. She still wants me to check in all the time and just because of our travels. And then we were going to hunt with a friend and all of that. We were supposed to be there that night. They take all of our stuff and they park us in a parking lot in Walmart. 
and they say, okay, we'll be back first thing in the morning with all of this stuff because it was late at night. It was like 6 o'clock or 7 o'clock at night by the time they got done drilling us and lying to us and doing all this crap. And I'm like, okay, I'm like freaking out. And obviously I had nothing to hide because Sarah and I didn't do anything wrong. So we were trying to be cooperative, you know, with them and say, well, sure, go, you know, go through your stuff. And I'm like, and I, and I didn't even want to. And they, and they did, declined my rights. They violated our rights. I said, listen, I'm trying to go on a hunt in Kansas. I don't have time to do this. I want to go. And they forced us to stay anyway, which is another violation of rights. Taking our phones was a violation of rights. I mean, they just violated so many laws and just us as humans and or us as our, our legal right. And they left us in that parking lot in the freezing cold for an entire day. They didn't come back until the following evening after dark with our phones. I mean, you talk about, so we had no way of communicating with my parents. They're all freaking out thinking we died. The friend we were going to hunt with thought we got in a car accident. They caused our life so much turmoil. And they're like, okay, you're good to go. And that was three years ago. Obviously, they didn't find anything illegal. Otherwise, they would have charged us. So that's just an example of, of things that they've done. Then on top of that, I mean, they spied on us with spotting scopes, tracked our phones, hacked into all that stuff. But then the problem is, is they spied on us with spotting scopes. Now, obviously, my wife, you know, she can't just pee in a tree stand. You know, she's got when she uses the bathroom in the woods, she's got to get out of the blind or whatever and use the restroom. So God only knows how many times those, those freaking perverts saw her, you know, using the restroom. Not to mention they got our phones and went through all of our photos and violated our rights. I mean, you talk about total violation and feeling, you know, completely just violated as a person. We were so sick of that. We filed that lawsuit against the, the federal government because of these unbelievable laws that they broke violating our rights. And we were just so over it because they were ruining hunts. We would get pictures of them on trail camera, walking through our property, investigating, you know, our setups. And obviously we'd never broken a law. Otherwise they would charge us. But still the point is, is like that ruins a hunt and ruins a spot. Like, how do they do this? And it's legal. I, I don't know. Well, so just as an example, um, not an example, to put things into perspective, have, do you have any fish and game wildlife violations? No, zero, not one. And, and, you, and they have not, um, you've not, you haven't been rung up on anything over all of this? Nothing. I mean, it would be public record. And it started and so all of this, the moment you speared the bear. It did. It, and that I, that was it. I don't know if we got on the radar, but spearing that bear. Oh, I'm sure was, that put you on the fucking uh, radar, brother. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and, and I, I feel terrible about that. Like just putting the negative light into hunting and maybe, maybe that's what, why they're doing this. But I mean, it's not going to be that far fetched for them to find something eventually. You know, it could be one year from now or 10 years from now, but my God, if I'm in Illinois or something and, and I pick up the deer's rack and look at it and I violated some tagging law or and I miss one little punctual t- number on something, you know, I don't I don't know. But it's not far fetched for them to find something eventually. And I just I'm so sick of this being targeted because they're not treating other people like this. And why are they treating us when Sarah and I have never broken a law, ever violated anything? It just doesn't make any sense. 
Yeah, it's weird to me. And again, like I, I've had, well, as 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 you have until now, um, I've had super great luck with, um, you know, my local game warden. He's super cool. I'm not saying he's not going to give me a ticket. I'm sure he'd give, write me a ticket in a heartbeat. But I mean, he's been fair. He's been honest. And he's always, when I have a question, when I'm, I might be about to break the law, I'll call him and be like, hey, dude, can I, can I do this shit? He's like, yeah. Or he'll be like, you can, but... You know, like I had to go right. in um, the wrong unit to get into to the right unit if I was going to go approach this this specific mountain goat. I thought it was legal. I was pretty sure it was legal. But then I thought, OK, this is something that he might be one of those butts. He asked me, he said, man, as long as you don't shoot anything, I, you know, you've let me know ahead of time. So if I get a phone call, I know that's cool. Right. What I worry about is what if someone listens to the podcast, I say something stupid and all of a sudden they start making shit up to, you know, that, that I haven't right. done or look harder, you know, even if it was a matter of, okay, it's my normal life. Now they're just dissecting everything I do at an unfair level compared to someone else, which sounds like is exactly what's going on with you. Right. Well, and that's the thing is I've had amazing luck with the Isla fishing game. Like these guys, I don't know, maybe it's just Iowa, but I've went in there and talked to them multiple times and they, they are awesome. They seem, and again, I don't want this to be a whole bash on everybody because that's not the case. Like I, my local game warden in Ohio was really good. And then the guys here in Iowa, they're super friendly and they, they seem like they care about the right things, but they're, and that's eradicating resources, making sure people are doing the right thing. And I call them all the time, you know, because Sarah and I, under the spotlight. I mean, this spotlight is massive for us, you know, with our reach. And, and I don't know, if, and I don't know if they're targeting us because of our businesses and, and whatnot. Maybe that's kind of their play is they don't care about, you know, Joe blow out there blasting a bunch of deer that lives on welfare because they know they're not going to get any money from that person. So then they just don't even care. I, I don't know if that's their goal, but whatever reason they're deciding to target us, maybe it is a financial goal, but that's not, the case with every state that's just u.s fishing game i think overall is really the bad the bad apple here but the local guys that i've experienced have been pretty good the guy in illinois too has honestly been pretty good so i've got my my perspective of these guys is is still good you know i like fishing game i know the roles are incredibly important especially you know the ones i've talked to they've been nothing but great and sincere and they're mostly um, open, like you said, you know, like, they're like, okay, well, I'm glad you called. Like, I had a drone uh, violation, not a drone violation, but a drone question that I was afraid would be a violation. So I was like, hey, if I kill the deer, can I fly a drone over me as I'm doing my interview to give a cool perspective? You know, like, I was like, okay, because it says you can't use a drone in the assistance of a hunt. Well, if the deer is dead, is the hunt over, you know? And, and so I was going to put this, like this, this cool theme where we're like doing an interview over and then fly a drone over top of us while we're talking, it would have been a cool shot. And, uh, I was in, I think Missouri whenever I wanted to do this. And so I called the game of fish and they said, listen, um, technically if the deer is dead, then yeah, you, it's legal to do that. But if the deer is alive, then now you've violated the game and fish law. They said, technically you can do it. He's like, but if you don't mind, just so you don't spread, you know, the, the thought that drones are okay to use, would you mind not putting that in your video? 
And I said, yeah, no problem. I, and they asked me not to do it because they were afraid other people would start doing it. And then you give them an inch and they take a mile kind of thing. And so I was like, all right, well, no problem. And I called them and they said, yeah, it's legal, but please don't do it. And I said, okay, no problem. And, and that relationship is the way it should be. You know, it's supposed to be that, that friendly. I mean, we're all supposed to be on the same team here. You know, I mean, our hunting rights shouldn't be fought with our game wardens and the hunters trying to do the right thing or doing the right thing. And they should be fighting against people that are one anti hunters. Those are the real threat to our industry. The, the left wing activists trying to take out our hunting rights. Those are the real threat. But if we're all fighting amongst ourselves and our own game and fish, we're trying to take down, you know, people doing the right thing instead of doing the wrong thing. That is, that is a recipe of disaster that our entire like love and 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 livelihood of the outdoors, you know, and 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 passion and family heritage is going to be taken away from us if this doesn't change. Because everybody needs to be on the same page and everyone needs to be together. I mean, and and not be fighting each other. Yeah, I, I agree. And I didn't, uh, you know, I with with everything you know going on, like obviously everybody needs to do their best. Um, you know, following the rules and, and, uh, although some of them are pretty easy to break because it's hard. <laughs> some of those fish and game regulations are, are difficult, but you know, I, you know, in, in the grand scheme of things, like obviously you want to follow the laws, but there is a lot of other things going on right now, you know, that's hurting the, the outdoor industry or, or, or hunting in general in comparison to, to somebody, you know, tagging their animal and, 20 minutes compared to 15 i mean for christ's sake they're about to let wolves loose in in uh uh colorado and you know they're not a whole hell of a lot it seems we can do about it but god i can hop on social media and there's a bash fest everywhere and people you know trad veins suck and oh my god you've got whatever on your bow and it's like wow we've got a lot bigger issues than this and you know it's always good to argue and talk a little bit but um, you know, in the grand scheme of things, like, good Lord, uh, looking at the big picture. And, I, you know, with what's going on with you, to me, it's <laughs> it obviously started with the bear, but you're following. You do good financially, so they know that they're going to be able to hold that over your head. And it just seems kind of a shitty deal. I'll be interested in some of my game warden buddies to um, message me and give me, you know, their two cents on the whole thing. Yeah. Well, I hope they reach out to us too, because I, I would love to talk to them and maybe, maybe they can shed some light on this because it's just so frustrating for me. And I mean, it is just unbelievable how we've been treated by us game and fish. I mean, it has just been a witch hunt for us for years. I mean, ever for the past four years, it's just been a complete witch hunt. And it's just one thing after another, after another, where, Oh, okay. You're good. Sorry. I'm just, I was so sick of hearing that. You know, I'm like, oh, but you just walked through my entire hunting property um, just to confirm that everything's okay. And you think that that's all right. But legally, they have the right if they suspect something. And so, oh, we just wanted to walk through your entire place during the rut and check in and make sure all your stands were appropriate. Oh, oh thanks for running out my entire farm onto the neighbors during gun season. Yeah, just no to, shit. To, to, and then they, And so, like, that's the kind of stuff that, it's so terrible. And like, and that's why we sued them. And we're, I mean, that, that's costing us a lot of money and I don't want to deal with that and, and deal with this lawsuit, but we're so sick of it. I'm just hoping that doing all this will bring light to the rest of the industry to maybe 
get around, you know, things becoming maybe changing, shifting tides to where they should be. You know, everybody being on the same team and we love our game wards. Like we should love our police officers. You know, I mean, they're, I mean, they're a valuable resource to our community and society and we shouldn't be hating on them. They should be trying to protect us. As long as, and game and fish should be the same way. They should be protecting us and protecting our hunting rights and laws and not going out and witch hunting celebrities, trying to find some sort of anything at all to call them whatever, just so they can put a badge on their chest. They took down a, a spook span or a Ted Nugent, and then they hang their hat on that for the rest of their life. And instead of really look at the big picture and say, how do I make this, the hunting, you know, the hunting community, a better place. How do I save, you know, or, or, or stop or poachers and, and how do I protect the resources, you know, and hunt down the people that are actually eradicating genetic lines and poaching and do, actually doing that. So I, I don't know. I hope, I hope that's what comes from this lawsuit, but they, they're going to have a serious, a serious rude awakening because I mean, we just have, you know, I mean, all of these experiences that we've had, I mean, any jury out there is going to think like, or understand like this has been ridiculous and, and it's been unbelievable for us. And just so, and the fact that we're still able to be successful in the woods is, is shocking to me too, honestly, because they, it's just been one thing after another with these guys. And I'm just hoping that it slows down or stops because it's hard enough trying to kill a deer, let alone having somebody, you know, screw up your hunts on purpose. Yeah. Now that, that sucks. Um, that's horrible, man. I, I tell you what, um, that God, dude, it's been an hour and 10 minutes already. Um, I, <laughs> I just looked down. I was going to bring, wow. we might have to do another podcast here in a little bit. Cause there's 14 other things I wanted to talk about, but where do you see this going? I guess, cause I'm sure people are going to be wondering what do you think is going to shake out of all this? Oh, from the lawsuit. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't know. I, here's what I hope will happen from this lawsuit. If, if they stop harassing us, that will be the main goal because my poor wife feels so violated every single time she goes in the woods and she's hunting and she has to use the bathroom. She's always wondering if someone's watching her. Like, that's horrible. That's harassment. That's sexual harassment. You know, and, and that's just, uh, just to have that stop like having to wonder constantly looking over our shoulder, like, Hey, is there somebody watching us? And not that we're doing something wrong, but it's violating. Imagine like if you're in your house and you and you know, somebody's spying on you with a spotting scope, like it's violating and it feels terrible. That's the main goal is just to have them stop. But uh, you know, another goal of ours from this lawsuit is, is to hopefully shed light that, that this needs to change, like how there's, spending our taxpayers, you guys out there listening to this money and stop targeting the celebrities that aren't doing anything wrong and go after the people that actually are the, the true violators of the, of the world here and the poachers. Cause I've, I couldn't tell you how many times, you know, I've talked to friends and everything that know the poacher. They know who did it. They said, I know the guy. I, I hear, here he is, and the game wardens go, and they don't do anything about it. And they literally can prove it, hands down, who it is. And then they, they may write a little tiny ticket, that, and it says, hey, you were trespassing. And then they, they move on because the person doesn't make any money, they can't pay any fines, whatever the case is. And, and it's just terrible. 
And it's just like, what is going on? Or trespassers and they just don't do anything about it. And it's like, that's, that's where our resources should be going is to the protection of the hunter and the hunted, obviously the things that we're hunting and people that are truly violating that. And I just hope that this will make a, a, a shift from where the focus has been over the past years, you know, of trying to take down these celebrities, unless those people are actually doing things wrong. I know some duck hunters and stuff are shooting past limits and eradicating resources for video content reasons. I mean, those people deserve to be prosecuted to the fullest and resources used to hunt them down. You know, not people that's never broken the law. Yeah. Well, I guess I would, I'd kind of follow up with that is, um, if, if you end up getting an infraction out of all of this and that infraction is some chalked up bullshit that any of us would do, we're going to get back on here and bash the living shit out of everyone. Because if they come up at the end of this with you didn't tag your animal in 15 minutes and it was 17, that's pretty fucking pathetic, right? Like, that's pretty bad because you figure they put a few hundred thousand dollars into this. Like, that's why I try to put everything in realistic. Like, oh, I think Lee got busted for something that was super stupid. And I read it on something that popped out on social media. It was like top five poaching violations for celebrity hunters. And Lee was on there. And, and I don't know Lee super well. I've talked to him and Tiffany a couple times on the phone. They've ordered packs from us. And I uh, I read it and it was like he didn't sign or initial or he did. There was, <laughs> it was some dumb shit. And I'm like, no. Actually, I know exactly what happened. What was he it? Had, he, had two he had two tags in his pocket. Um, one was a doe tag and one was a buck tag. And if you don't read the fine print, it one says antlerless, one says either sex. Other than that, they look identical. And he accidentally tagged his buck with his doe tag. And he, he realized it when he looked in his pocket when he was hunting again, called in the game of fish on himself and said, hey, I accidentally tagged in this wrong, the wrong doe tag here. Um, I would like to figure out how to change this. And then they ran with it and tried to accuse Lee as a poacher and doing all this stuff. And he's like, hey, you know, and of course, I know Lee really well. He's a great guy. He would never violate a law on purpose or anything like that. And everyone read right through that bullshit, every single one of them and all the people. And they tried to make it out to something and it just never stuck because it's so stupid. I mean, seriously. You're going to sit there and try to ridicule a guy like him that does so much amazing things for the hunting community and, and who does everything by the book all because he, he accidentally tagged it with a wrong tag and then tried to fix it and, and uh, himself. I mean, that's the kind of silly stuff that is just so out of whack and out of focus. And, and like you said, if something does come from it, it's not that far-fetched. I mean, it's pretty darn easy with you when you look under, look at someone's life with a microscope, you know, and you watch every single move that they may make a mistake. Just as if I were to follow you around as you drive your car and you pull up to a stop sign and then you don't stop all the way, for example, and you roll through once in five years. It's pretty easy. Oh, you broke the law. You know, I mean, so I'm, I won't be surprised if it, if it does come, come to something. But as of right now, you know, it's, it's not. We've never broken the law. We've never done anything illegal. And we, we've tried our absolute best to do everything right. So I'm hoping I'm hoping it never comes to it. But, I mean, you just never know with how, how freaking close they watch us with everything. And then 
I'm hoping this lawsuit against them will maybe back them off enough to at least treat us like everybody else instead of a target. Yeah, I mean, I can, you know, a good example of this is OSHA. If you've worked construction on big job sites, when they come mm-hmm. to the job site, they are finding something. I mean, it, they, they look hard enough. Like, one of the violations, if you don't have the instruction manual, the owner's manual in your cordless drill, that's a fine. Well, I can tell you I oh, broke God. that law. Oh, dude, there's some crazy shit. Now, I, having said that, I've been hanging out of, you know, uh, extended platform lifts or snorkel lifts with no harness on and a guy holding my feet, totally deserving a fine. It's not like I'm like, oh, they were picking on me, totally deserved it. I've, I've broken many OSHA violations, but it's not like I bitched about it. I'm like, yeah, I was a fucking idiot. I shouldn't have been doing that. It's the ones where they're like, hey, you know, you've got a small slice in your cord. We're going to have to fine you for that. And it's like, come on, man. Like, no one's right. getting hurt here. And it, it's kind of the same thing. Um, I always kind of compare it that because they look hard enough. They're going to find something. So it'll be, be interesting. But, but man, because I, I got to cut it off here because uh, I haven't been to work in three weeks. I've been hunting too much. But I, I, <laughs> I hope for the best on, on all of that. And, and congratulations to you and Sarah on, on, their, on your bucks. You guys have been crushing it this year. I mean, you had a hell of a, hell of a season out west as well. Yeah. Oh, thanks, man. I appreciate that. Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping everything will, will – we'll get reset. Everything will be okay. We just, I mean, hunting is, is so much of our life. You know, we enjoy it so much and, and, and we just hate that there's this negative aura just over our heads constantly about these, with these, the U S game of fish just hunting us down. I mean, geotagging and, and I mean, I could get into so many details where they literally are going through every single photo we've ever taken and, and, mapping it out and just trying to figure, find something to where we broke a law. And I'm just, I'm so sick of having to deal with this. I just hope that it all goes away eventually, you know, and, and they just treat us like normal people. But like you said, if we break the law and we violate something and we deserve it, sure. I mean, yeah, yeah, we're trespassing and we shoot a buck. Freaking A, we deserve a, a serious violation. You know, it's like, that's, that's, that I get it, but it, man, if they eventually, quote unquote, try to take us down with something so freaking stupid, I'll, I'll, I'm gonna lose it. I'm gonna be so upset. I'll be with you. I'll be ready to fight them. And that's what I, I, I need to realize too. Sarah and I are fighters. A lot of these people out there just kind of roll over and and say, oh, sorry, whatever. And I mean, it, whatever that it, it is. But I mean, Sarah and I, we're not being bullied. We are gonna fight them and do whatever it takes to to make this right. So. Anyway, yeah, it's uh, it's been a heck of a year. We're excited and uh, keep going, and, and we got some more deer. And uh, whenever we hop off of here, I got to tell you about um, Oklahoma. So we got a, a good setup in Oklahoma. I finally got all the pictures I was telling you about. Cool, cool, man. Sounds good. Well, yeah, let's wrap it up here. I'll get you on again here in a few weeks and, and cover some of the – we had about 4 million questions on the dieting stuff after the last podcast. But, uh, well, yeah, okay. man. Everybody check out the the Bomar bow hunting page, and uh, I must say, um, by far, everything I've tried from you guys, and this is not these guys don't pay me. There's nothing. You did give me some free peanut butter to get addicted, you fucker. But the uh, you gotta try <laughs> the peanut butter and the almond. I guess you guys have almond, peanut, and cashew. I, I'm trying to think. What all, what yeah. all do you offer in that? Yeah, so we we've, we've got a wide variety of flavors. I mean, with all the the different ones. I mean, some of our our top favorites now. 
we make them healthy so they're actually healthy eat and low carb. I mean, we have everything from Halloween egg, you know, like those, 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 to fruity cereal that's like the uh, Fruit Loops and, I mean, to pecan pie and caramel apple and blueberry donut and frosted cookie, lemon. I mean, it's, I mean, cornbread, crazy nut, cornbread, one of my favorite. Chocolate hazelnut spread, which is like Nutella, all actually healthy for you and full of protein. So we, we've loaded up, um, again, Sarah and I, our whole business was based around us being fat kids at heart. And so we were like, okay, we're fat kids at heart. How do we make the things that we crave all the time healthy? And so that's how every protein flavor was born. That's how every peanut butter was created. And, uh, and we're, it's just so much fun for us. I mean, we are, we just launched our most recent protein was a protein French toast, which is so cool. Cause that one, my, my, uh, grandma, we used my grandma's recipe and God bless her soul. And my poor grandpa died of cancer, um, earlier this year. And, and he was kind of with his money or social security. That's kind of how they, 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 uh, was able to live the life that they lived, which wasn't much. They lived in a trailer on, in a, in a, in a park, you know, it wasn't like it's, they had a lavish lifestyle, but grandma didn't know what she was going to do. So I, uh, we designed a protein flavor around her recipe and then we give, you know, proceeds from the protein sales to grandma and, uh, and she is having their best life now. She's, she's more than taken care of due to everybody buying the French toast and, and she just bought a new car. And so she's, I mean, it's just kind of funny, you know, but, uh, but anyway, so we, we make French toast. I mean, protein, hot chocolate, to pumpkin spice, the hazelnut coffee. I mean, frosted cookie, dolce de leche. I mean, we have all kinds of cool flavors and, uh, for protein and they're all low carb and, and high in protein and healthy for you. So it makes it kind of nice if you're trying to diet and you struggle with sweets, then our products are going to make a massive difference on sticking to your, sticking to your diet because you don't have to wait three weeks to have cheesecake. You know, you could just wait till you get home and make your own with ours. <laughs> yeah. Unless you eat three bottles a day, which is my problem. So I've had to have my wife hide it from me cause I eat too much of it. But, uh, yeah, man, it's good. I definitely get people check it out. But uh, but yeah, thanks for coming on, man. I hope everything works out the best. Um, you know, with the whole that situation, and, and yeah, congrats again on the deer, man. That's amazing. Thank you, thank you. And again, if there are any fishing game guys listening out there that want to shed light on this to me, please email me at bomarfitness at gmail dot com um, or DM us on our hunting page. Anything at all, because. I would love to hear some of your guys' perspective on this and shed some light on, on why there's so many bad apples in this, in this place because I know all of you guys never signed up to, to take care of our hunting rights and fishing game. You know, they didn't sign up to be game wardens to just hunt down uh, quote-unquote celebrity hunters. I'm sure they got started with other agendas. Where does this change? Why do people switch their, their roles? Is there some sort of like insider bonuses if you take down high profile people i don't i don't know i would love to hear from you guys i love all of you and i and i i know what you guys do is important and so if you're listening out there and you want to reach out and talk i I would love it i think that'd be great cool cool all right everybody well thanks for tuning in and uh, man i'll talk to you soon sounds good i'll see you